Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and beaches vacation.com. Welcome to Talking Business Now. I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thank you for joining us. The speed of change is 10 times faster than it was a decade ago, and 40% of today's Fortune 500 will not exist in the next 10 years. Cheryl Cran, our guest on this episode of Talking Business Now, says there's an urgent need for business leaders and entrepreneurs to create strategies that deal with this future of work. Cheryl is the founder of Next Mapping and the author of several books, including her most recent, Next Mapping, Anticipate, Navigate, and Create the Future of Work. In this episode of Talking Business Now, Cheryl talks with us about digital disruption in the workplace and its impact on jobs. I asked Cheryl about her people first and digital second approach to creating a more human future. So rather than buy into the fear of robots are stealing our jobs, the opportunity is to go, what are the skills and the things that I can build now to help me be ready for this uncertain future? So do I need to learn more about technology and AI and robotics in order to be prepared for that reality? How do I up-level my leadership skills so that I can be the best possible leader ever so that I have guaranteed job security in the future because my people skills are so well-developed? So in the book, I talk about technology, but I talk about the very human future, which is if we're focused on building, being the best human we can be, we're going to have a positive future. We'll hear more from Cheryl on the future of work right after this message from our sponsor, Interobang Solutions. Would you like to... Position your company as an industry thought leader? Increase engagement and build credibility with prospects and clients? Establish your influence as a trusted resource? Interobang Solutions offers full-service writing and publishing solutions that deliver your company's messages with a bang. You can count on us to provide turnkey solutions that support your existing marketing and communication staff or act as your full-service outsourced partner. Interobang Solutions providing custom writing, editing, and publishing solutions. Visit www.interobanksolutions.com. We're talking business now with Cheryl Cran, the founder of Next Mapping and the CEO of its parent company, Synthesis at Work, Inc. She's also the author of several books, including her most recent, Next Mapping, Anticipate, Navigate, and Create the Future of Work. In this episode of Talking Business Now, Cheryl talks with us about digital disruption in the workplace and the impact on jobs in the future of work. Welcome, Cheryl. Hi, thank you. Let's talk about one of the biggest digital disruptions on the workplace, and that's the the always-on culture. How has that shifted 
the traditional work dynamic? Well, what technology has done is completely transformed us from being, you know, if you think of work in the past few decades, it's like we could turn work off and definitely with the, with the always on culture and having um, access to technology at all times, that is uh, not the case today. We're really being able to work 24-7 if we wanted to. And that is creating positive and obviously challenges. So the positives are we can work anywhere in the world, anytime we want, in any location that we want. And that's very appealing to the millennials and Gen Zs and becoming even more appealing to all the generations. The cons are the increased technological access is increasing stress and increasing the ability for people to turn off the technology, if you will. Uh, The opportunity is for all of us to be in charge of the technology. The technology doesn't run us. We get to decide when we work, how we work, and when we turn it off. So I think that this always-on culture is shifting work to be much more flexible and malleable, but it's also a transition for people to go from the traditional 9-to-5 or the traditional office environment to this new sort of remote always-on availability. So there's definitely a cultural shift happening because of this. What are some of the benefits of technology transformation or adoption in the workplace above and beyond what you're talking about here with the always-on culture? Well, the benefits definitely, I mean, if you look at how we have progressed in the last decade, we've had more change in the last year than, you know, the previous generations have had in in 50 to 100 years. So the benefits of the transformation is uh, faster access to data, faster access to people, globalization of business. Uh, It's increased the ability for people to do less of what they don't want to do with the automation of tasks and AI taking on some of the things that were repetitive work tasks for workers. Uh, it, it's really created, uh, in my opinion, I write about this in the book, it's created an opportunity for us as humans to focus more on the human aspect of what it means to be a human in the workplace and how we can leverage connection, collaboration, innovation together while letting technology do the repetitive, menial, automated tasks. So I think the technology transformation is really causing us to work smarter and to work more flexibly at the same time there is a transition happening across industries where people are struggling to keep up to the change of technological transformation while sort of figuring out, well, what does this mean for me on a personal level? So I think that the the benefits of technological transformation is that everything's becoming more streamlined and allowing us to do more meaningful work, but it's not without its challenges of people having to really be able to navigate the change. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting that you say that you write in your book about how technology is actually allowing us to be more human in our work because the technology is taking over the more rote types of activities and tasks. Yet so many people say that technology is actually taking away the human elements, you know, just point to something very uh, simple like trying to navigate a company's phone system these days. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know right, what it takes right, to get a live right. voice on the phone. So there right. is, so speak to that a little bit. Yeah, that's a great comment. Uh, so to that point, yes, you know, so again, and, and to your point, I think what we have in, my, in our research and what I have found is that there's sort of generational adoptions to the, the fast technological change. So if you're a, a baby boomer or a traditionalist, you're going to struggle with those automated phone systems because you're used to talking to a live person. And again, it comes down to change, right? It's what you've been used to and what you're willing to adopt, adapt to. Uh, if you're a millennial or Gen Z or a Gen X, 
you actually prefer getting an automated system because you can press and direct those numbers. It's kind of like self-service checkout versus having a human check you out, right? Right, so right. To that, to that point, uh, there's, so the millennials and Gen Zs would say, hey, we're more human than ever before because, hey, I'm texting on a regular basis. I'm, I'm FaceTiming you. I'm, I'm connecting with you all the time. And so we're more connected than we were ever before. Other spectrum would say, yes, but we've lost that face-to-face communication. In the future of work, we're actually going to see that there's going to be a balance between face-to-face. And by the way, millennials and Gen Zs consider FaceTime, Skype, and Zoom, and all those technologies as face-to-face, mm-hmm. even though we're not physically in the same room. So it's really about perspective, and I really like to help people understand that um, we are not becoming less human. It's how we connect. So, if, For instance, social media. You've got the extremes on social media. If somebody is hiding behind technology, then they're a bully, and they're not using technology to its highest degree. However, if you are a uh, well-developed human being who uses the technology to share inspiration, to share ideas, to share resources, then that's the best of technology. And I believe that we're heading that direction. I'm not talking from a rose-colored glasses standpoint. This is all research-based. There is research out of PwC, out of World Economic Forum, that is saying new technologies are allowing us to be more human, such as cobots, carebots. Carebots are lifting patients so that doctors and nurses can be more human in their approach to patient care. Uh, exoskeletons are helping manufacturer workers be able to lift so that they can actually keep their bodies intact and safe, which is a more human perspective. So, you know, with any change, you can have negative and positive. You're going to have that polarity. But I actually believe it's making the world a better place as we move forward. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about AI and AR and how that's also changing the workplace. Yeah, so um, AI, literally, we're already living with this. If you've got an iPhone or you've got, uh, you know, uh, any kind of mobile device and you're using voice technology, that's AI. If you're going online and shopping on Amazon and you're getting a notification that you could, you know, when you're on another website, it's telling you, hey, buy those shoes that you looked at, that's AI. So we're already living with AI. And in workplaces, uh, automated telephone systems that you just mentioned earlier, that's AI. So it's not like it's this new thing that's coming. We've already been living with it and we've been adapting to it. Alexa and Siri are AI. Um, It's impacting business in that voice technology is going to simplify. So I just did an event in Washington, D.C., where uh, you know, a gentleman was like, I'm so struggling with because as soon as the technology changes, it changes again. And I, you know, I, I remember going from a BlackBerry to an iPhone, and it was so painful. And research is showing that voice technology and, and vision technology is going to be the norm within the next five years. We are going to have minority report where we'll be talking to our devices more than we will be having to type anything. So technology is continuing to simplify. And Peter Diamandis of Singularity University talks about this, that, that in the next five years, the exponential change in technology is going to make it even more simpler, which means if we can now interact with technology, AI and AR, in a way that helps us be better humans, AR is helping people become, you know, VR is helping people with augmented reality and virtual reality. It's training people how to give better customer service, how to understand the psychology of human beings at a higher level, how to understand personalities. So these are impacting the workplace in that they're helping us skill build and they're helping humans upskill and reskill so that we can be better human beings. 
Yeah, and as with anything, uh, there's a good side and there's a bad side to it. And when you mention change and how fast it's coming and how many generations are involved, because there's so many generations in the workforce right now, uh, there's also this fear. You know, it gives rise, the unknown always gives rise to myths and rumors and uh just things that aren't quite true because there's a lack of understanding in many cases. So can you talk about any of those myths that are out there and, and maybe burst a few of those uh, myths for us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. What happens with any change is there's two polarities of that change, fear or excitement. And typically fear is going to be the initial human response because it's fight or flight. It's a psychological response to the speed. And we're now living in a speed of change where a lot of people are really stressed and afraid. And it's because they're they're, they're believing these myths or they don't have enough information to counter those myths for them. So one of the myths might be the robots are coming to steal our jobs. Right. Well, there's been, yeah, there's been research by EY, KPMG, again, World Economic Forum. It says absolutely not true. If you look at the developments we've made over the last century and you look at the Industrial Revolution and then, you know, we went from farming to manufacturing to industry and now we're in the technological revolution, every time those revolutions happened, more jobs were created and new jobs that we didn't even know were going to need to be created were created. Now, in the future, the word's not going to be jobs. It's going to be work, and there's even a better word than work, but we haven't come up with it yet, which means we're going to move away from filling jobs, and we're going to be looking as an organization at what is the work that needs to be done? How can we deliver the ultimate customer solution, and who are the right people to help us deliver those customer solutions? So when looking at work, we might say, okay, what work can be done by automation? What work can be done by robotics? And then what's the work that humans can do? And those jobs or that work has not even been created yet. So rather than buy into the fear of robots are stealing our jobs, the opportunity is to go, what are the skills and the things that I can build now to help me be ready for this uncertain future? So do I need to learn more about technology and AI and robotics in order to be prepared for that reality? How do I up-level my leadership skills so that I can be the best possible leader ever so that I have guaranteed job security in the future because my people skills are so well-developed? So in the book, I talk about technology, but I talk about the very human future, which is if we're focused on building being the best human we can be, we're going to have a positive future. So rather than buying into the myth, looking at the opportunities of what these changes are, ta- are making for us. What are the broader implications of all of this? As I hear you talking about uh, the changes that are going to occur in the workforce around really redefining what work is and how to get the job done, uh, and yet we really don't have our arms around what that is, uh-huh. what are the broader implications for training, for, for our schools, for education, you know, the kids yeah. coming up now? Yeah, great question. So I'm a expert on the CNBC Parenting uh, Now uh, site for that very reason. And a lot of our research has shown that the younger generations, the millennials and the Gen Zs, 60% of Gen Zs surveyed their college graduates have said they'd rather work for themselves than for a traditional employer. So what we're seeing is, and by the year 2025, 50% of the workforce is projected to be freelance economy. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about major change here. So the education system now, rather than be geared towards, uh, you know, potential future education, there needs to be a new curriculum about real-time, always-be-learning education. 
So in the past, you'd go get a degree. After four years, you'd go get a job, and you'd hope that you'd end up in the career that you've been trained for. Uh, 50% of millennials and Gen Z said they're not even sure their degree has given them what they thought it would give them. And so, and that's because of the fast-changing economy. So if we look at how do we prepare them, education and, and corporate needs to be partnering to provide the skills reality of what's needed for the workplace today and what's needed for the workforce tomorrow. So education needs to be on creating a next generation of workers. And by the way, any generation needs to do this. Of what are the skills needed? Well, they are agility, adaptability, flexibility, technological competence, along with leadership competence. So education needs to be focused on those competencies in order to prepare people for this new work reality that we're heading into. Yeah, and for the people that are already out there in the workforce, then this is going to be something that organizations will need to take, you know, because they're already out of school, and so they're going to have to exactly. take it on themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, so let's talk about something even broader. You mentioned that fifty percent of the workforce eventually will be freelancers. They'll be able to work from wherever they desire, whether that's in you know co-working spaces or from their homes, uh, where hotel rooms, wherever they happen to be. What does that do on a much broader scale in terms of shaping our cities and so forth? I mean, there's so many office buildings now. What, what do you see happening in the future with, with the way uh, our, our cities are even structured? Yeah, it's a great question. I do a lot of work with the city in Florida, and they, it, smart cities is uh, really the language right now that's going on in cities. So it's uh, literally a uh, connected city where the buildings are smart, voice-enabled, uh, you know, automated, uh, where uh, services are voice-activated, everything's connected. That is really where we're heading. Um, office buildings will always be needed, because, but the usage is changing rapidly. I did a presentation for Cal State University in the facilities department because even um, education institutions are noticing that, you know, enrollment is down in some of these institutions and using these facilities for other purposes and multi-purposes. So we're going to need those spaces, but how they're being used is going to change. So you look at companies like WeWork, where they're using entire office buildings for collaborative workspaces mm -hmm. where freelancers are gathering. You know, that's right. one example. But in big multinational organizations, they're still going to always need office space, but how that space is used is being reconfigured and redesigned. And um, I don't have the answers on how that's going to be used in the future, but that is a topic right now within cities of how do we maximize the usage of our buildings? So rather than leave a building empty, for example, could we use that, for example, innovation labs or this, this corporate education collaboration that we're talking about? So usage of office building and space is going to transform as we move forward as well. Definitely. What are some of the things that your company, Next Mapping, does to help businesses reach this new level of, of work, the future of work that you talk about? So with Next Mapping, we help you look at the trends and we look at uh, not just your own industry, but other industries. And we bring that in. But we also look at your employee attitudes. We look at your customer attitudes bring that all together and help you plot out your future, map out your future. And we do that through a variety of ways. We have consulting, we do keynote present presentations, we have online courses to help educate workers, leaders, teams to be future ready now. So we really feel that the future of work is now and that uh, by companies taking the opportunity to look at the future, to look at what's happening now and how they can be ready, that's what Next Mapping helps 
uh, leaders, teams, and organizations do. And many of the services that you just described are available, and there's more information about them on your website at nextmapping.com. What is one thing for our listeners today, if you could offer them some actionable advice to become future ready, what step would you recommend they take? Well, I think they should definitely read Peter Diamandis' book, uh, Abundance. Uh, where he gives research on uh, a lot of the positives that I've pointed out today. Um, He's definitely an inspiration for me. Uh, Definitely read my book, Next Mapping, Anticipate, Navigate, and Create the Future Work. But beyond that, uh, you know, take some time to to really do some of your own research, you know, Google, YouTube, on the future of work and some of the things that you're seeing. And then I would encourage every listener, like every one of us needs to always be learning every day. So looking at what can we do to stay on top of technological advances, and what can we do to develop our leadership capacity? Those two things, uh, even, you know, reading about, investigating, learning about, is going to help shift the mindset towards being less fearful of the future and being much more in control of the future. What should organizations be talking business now about in 2019? Organizations need to be talking to their leaders, their teams, their 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 uh, customers around what do they want, what do they see. They should be crowdsourcing from every angle in order to get as much information as possible as to what they need to provide to the people that they serve in order to uh, stay relevant in as an industry, but also to continue to add value as an organization to both customers and employees. We've been talking business now with Cheryl Cran, the founder of Next Mapping and the CEO of Synthesis at Work. You can find more about Cheryl, the services that her company offers, and the book at nextmapping.com. Cheryl, thanks for joining us on this episode of Talking Business Now. Thank you so much. We appreciate the support of our sponsor, Interobank Solutions, providing writing, editing, and publishing services. Give them a call at 913-220-4251 or visit interobanksolutions.com. And thank you for tuning in today. Please be sure to join us for the next episode of Talking Business Now. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.